When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nick Hausman, welcome to Rumor and Innuendo. And me, Robert Karpolis of WWE Creative-ish. I, you threw me off. We I just started it. going into it, and here we I are. Botched it. I botched it. Hey, it's no, fine. I'll, I'll go, I'll flow, I'll show here on Rumor and Innuendo, everybody. We got a lot to get to here today. If you are listening to us in audio form, it is Friday, and you're going to get nothing but the news. But on New Year's Day, come back to the podcast feed because you're going to get to hear the full audio from our more than half-hour conversation with CM Punk and Ace Deals lawyer, Stephen P. New. Uh, and if you're watching us in video form right now, you already saw it. You saw the fun. You saw the highlights. You saw the technical difficulties. We had a great time. You jumped in the chat room. It was good. Before we get into this uh, news here, uh, Robert, um, do you want to give people a couple of your big takeaways from what we learned uh, from from our conversation with Stephen? Sure. So for those of you who are going to listen on Monday, you're going to hear the the, the full piece of it. But we kind of got into uh, a little bit of what Stephen's initial involvement was in Brawl Out, which was a surprise to me that he had been engaged even before Punk and A Steel were were involved. Uh, he gets into his interactions with the AEW legal team, him interacting with Tony Khan. And, and how that went, uh, some of the, the fallout that we've we've seen from CM Punk's departure. And the other piece that I thought was kind of interesting is we talked a little bit about he was involved in the Yeet lawsuit that mm-hmm. we had talked about here on the show and some really interesting insight on what wrestlers should be doing and concerning themselves with. So I thought it was a lot of fun, and it's always cool to have knowledgeable wrestling lawyers on here. Uh, we've had Matt Jones. We now had uh, Stephen P. New. Uh, I'm curious uh, if if, uh, Clarence Mason is floating around somewhere. Well, yeah, Jerry McDivitt came up. I try to get us Jerry. I don't know what he's doing right now, but he gave me time in the past. You Um, will rarely see me mark out, but if you get Jerry McDivitt, well, that that will turn into the Chris Farley show. I'm like, hey, remember, remember, remember when it was WWF? That was awesome. Fantastic. No, uh, real quick, the backstory because I have, I think one of Jerry McDivitt's only on the record, like I think maybe the only on the record video interview ever. And it was because I wanted to talk to him about, I forget exactly which case it was. Oh, it was the concussion one. It was the, the one that went to Supreme court and got dismissed or whatever, whatever. Uh, he gets on to talk to me. I go, Hey, do you mind if I record this and release it? And he's like, what do you mean? Like in public? And I was like, yeah, you know, like, let's just record it. And he was just like, he thought about it for a second. And he was like, okay, sure. And I got him right there on the spot. We just ran with it. It's still out there if anybody wants to go find it. But I'll, I'll do my best, Robert. If that'll make you happy in 2024, I will do my best to go get us Jerry McDivitt. Well, hopefully he's available and they don't reveal that he's the AEW devil. Yes. Well, hey, I've got high hopes for some of the guests here in 2024. That's for sure. Um, and also, real quick, while we are uh, getting through some uh, housekeeping at the top of the show, the reason you'll get the Stephen P. New interview on Monday in audio form is because we will not have a video show, video version on New Year's Day. 
I will be uh, likely very hungover, not wanting to do a show. So that's that's why we won't be doing one on Monday. Um, also, uh, before I run down all the news we're going to get to here today, I did want to make sure to send out our regards to the family, friends, and fans of British independent pro wrestler Mad Kurt Curtis Chapman, who passed away at the age of 26, uh, way too young. I did not have the privilege of getting to work uh, with Kurt, but I am seeing just an outpouring of love from so many of my friends on social media right now. And I just wanted to send my regard to everybody out there. Who's who's uh, coping with that today. Way, way too young. I saw uh, Joey Janela posted something about him and how funny the guy was. And I feel like that's something that fits in my world is, is humor in the world of wrestling. So really sad uh, story to, to start with here on yeah. the last show of 2023. Well, um, everything we're getting in here today includes uh, AEW Revenue, the latest on the devil, WWE interest in Julia and stardom, WWE resigning Zelina Vega, more on why Takami Obari stepped down as New Japan president. But before we get into any of that, I see our good friend, this guy over on X, jumping into the comment section. You get to talk about MJF's post. Now, earlier, uh, while we were having tech issues, we briefly touched on it, but I'm going to have had to erase all of that audio because I've uh, chopped it out for uh, fluid reasons over on the podcast feed. Uh, but let's make it. Let's take a second here before we roll into all this other stuff to talk about what uh, Maxwell Jacob Friedman put out over on the Player Tribune. It is no secret that Max has been dealing with uh, a litany of injuries over his more than year run now. As AEW World Champion, I'm surprised he did not die in that match against Brian Danielson. Holy hell, uh, what a brutal beating. And of course, he's been rolling around uh, with a walking stick here the last month or so. In this piece, there's a lot to take away. Uh, the big thing for me is that he's on painkillers right now, and he's very uncomfortable about that. And it shows how hard he's pushing himself to deliver for everybody. But it it does make me feel consciously that maybe he's pushing himself too hard. Uh, if he's put himself in that position, um, what are what what did you think about that? And anything else you took from that piece, Robert? Yeah, I think he was getting at ahead of that and just saying he's doing everything he can to go out there and perform. And I'm I'm sure that the the medical personnel are uh, are are keeping tabs on him. the The biggest takeaway that I had from that was it felt like this was a referendum on the wrestling industry and why it is so important that AEW exists. He talked about how five years ago, before AEW was there, working conditions were a lot different than they were now in the business. You had one company you can go work for, and if not, you kind of had to piecemeal a life only on the indies. And life has been better for folks in WWE since AEW has started. Life has obviously been better for AEW. These guys have consistent weekly paychecks. They're getting a national and international exposure. He addresses a lot of the criticisms of the company, which he fully says, hey, I'm critic number one sometimes of AEW. I get it. Tony Khan, he cares about his, his wrestlers. He honors their contracts, which is super important in the wrestling business. He talks about Jericho. He talks about Kenny and the Bucks. He's careful not to overpraise them, but it is saying, hey, these guys stir stuff up, and that's kind of what you want from the business, and that Jericho... Yes, there are some issues with this guy now, and he's someone that you can take shots at. But when he first came to AEW, it gave that company instant credibility. And you owe a lot to Chris Jericho's initial involvement. Same thing with Moxley. And he also took thinly veiled shots at folks who came into AEW thinking this was going to parachute them back to WWE. And AEW chewed him up and spit him out. So it felt like a defense of the company 
and also a little bit of a let me look back on the last five years in case I'm not going to be there come January 1. Yeah, obviously the Jericho part of it, for a lot of reasons, stood out to me. You know, uh, one of the things that, you know, is so disconcerting to me about kind of the the universal praise of Jericho, and I'm not going to deny the points that Max made about, you know, the impact Chris had in the early days of AEW. But when you have that kind of clout and you have that kind of power, it's very important to use that responsibly. And I just, you know, there are issues with Chris behind the scenes where I know of a lot of people who have been hurt by Chris and his actions. And, you know, it's very uncomfortable to me to see him lauded as often as he is with only the focus on that, because I do think that there's a lot of questionable um, stories about Chris that will find their way out over time. And when people are ready to tell those stories um, that will, will cast him in a very different light. I mean, look, Harvey Weinstein won a lot of Oscars. Harvey Weinstein produced a lot of very popular films. Harvey Weinstein is now in jail. I'm not saying that's going to happen to Chris, but your narrative can very quickly turn uh, if you know, you're hiding a lot of skeletons in your closet. Um, I also think in regards to what he said about how much the business has benefited from having an AEW around better, pay for wrestlers, better treatment of wrestlers is all true. You know, Um, I know we stand on different sides of the aisle on this one, Robert, but I still think there's a need for a wrestlers union, you know, all very valid points that Max made. But I think to ensure that you retain a lot of that leverage that you have in this moment, which may not be here tomorrow, uh, it's important to get everybody in line and, and, and take care of themselves. And, uh, you know, there were certainly some things that were framed in a certain way in, in Max's piece that, I thought were very rah rah um, and and great for people to run with, but you know, as somebody who's again, I'm not rooting against AEW. I want the very best version of AEW. AEW to be around for a long, long time. Uh, but there were that there were some certainly some things uh, that um, you know I, I I looked at very critically. Look, I think he he was towing a line there in a number of different ways. I think he was more than generous when he talked about the perceived MJF fatigue and that it was natural. He was going to cool off. I will respectfully disagree with Max and say that I don't think it's MJF fatigue. I think it's been poor booking that he has been going along with and and participating in. And he even copped to a lot of bad luck that the punk issue wound up happening. Adam Cole getting injured, just a number of things that feel like he's walking under ladders near broken mirrors. But I think, part of what has cooled off MJF in 2023 has been Tony's booking and handling of him. And I'm hoping for better things in 24 with a healed up Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. And on the note of what Max is being booked in, uh, we do have this note here uh, from the observer basically saying AEW is not profitable, which I was going to lead off with, but I think we all kind of <laughs> shocked. It's almost like we've been saying it for the last couple of weeks, but you know, shocked. Yes. Oh, we, we've shocked. made more money, but we've lost significantly more. If, if I, you know, if I go and tell my wife, good news, I won a hundred dollars at the casino and ignore the fact that it took me losing $4,000 to win that hundred bucks. It kind of colors it a little bit, but I couldn't see a way in which AEW was, actually profitable right now but we don't need to answer for that it's really if tony is okay with this thing going forward he doesn't have outside investors he doesn't have shareholders it is his company and if he's comfortable losing that money which a number of not only wrestling promoters but another piece of this coming from the sports world almost every professional sports team is in the red 
They are constantly losing money. They are rarely a, a cash cow, a profit machine. You're doing it for the love of the sport. You're doing it for a little bit of glorification of your ego. And if Tony is liking what he's doing, more, more power to him. Yeah. Um, so back to Max and how he's being booked. Nice little segue. I like that. Love it. Um, yesterday was the AEW media call for World's End with Tony Khan. I jumped right off of this show onto that call. Unfortunately, didn't get to ask a question, but I did get to get a lot of good insight along with the rest of the media. You want to say something? I'm just annoyed that I, I wanted to know Tony's insight on Billy and the CW, and we're just never going to hear it. It was something I was hoping to get to, but much like this show, we may not have time for it today. Um, but anyway, Tony's on this call, and he says that fans, because he gets asked about the AEW, I believe Steve Fall uh, from Wrestling News Co. asked him about the uh, AEW storyline, where it's going, when we can expect to pay off. And he says he's expecting a big, he's expecting big revelations, multiple um, this Saturday at AEW World's End, he also went out of his way to clarify that Samoa Joe is not the devil, right? Which I love is we're getting this kind of storyline point on the media call. I digress. Um, Samoa Joe is not the devil, but we are going to get these big revelations uh, at the World's End. Um, on top of what Max wrote in the Players uh, Tribune, and also this note that I put up on the site yesterday that a lot of people didn't notice, Max wore the AEW title upside down on Wednesday's episode of Dynamite, um, which I had to go back and watch because I saw somebody share it. I was like, wow, that, that really actually happened. It just kind of it feels like a lot of breadcrumbs that Max is getting us up to the precipice that he's going to be taking some time away from AEW and wants to give off the impression maybe there's a chance he's not going to remain with AEW, which I think is is storyline personally, but we'll see how it plays out. You want yes. him to leap. You want him to leap, obviously. I've I've wanted Max in WWE for the last five years. That's not really much of a surprise. But if he's happy, muscle tough, more power to you. First, the Tony Khan piece. Tony has to stop doing this. If you're like, oh, there's going to be, we may get a revelation about the devil on Saturday. I think we're kind of aware of who's holding the pencil. Just let what's going to happen happen. But this felt like him admitting, even I know this has gone on way too long. We need to put an end to this or something different needs to happen. Please tune in. You, you can't get away and do that in wrestling. You can do that if you're a showrunner on a scripted television show and say, this season we're going to pay off X, you know, Ross and Rachel. We're finally going to see what's going to happen to them. As wrestling fans, you want to sit back and wonder what's going to happen. And it felt like Tony's spoiling his own show. So he's got to resist that urge. Man, you know, it, it really is. I don't want to beat a dead horse because we talked a lot about the devil this week. But if it's not Adam Cole, then I mean, I kind of, I don't know. Is it going to be Tony? You know, is it going to be Vince McMahon, Steve Austin 2.0? Max takes some time away, comes back in a knee brace and just raises hell to try to take down the boss. Are we going to run it back? I love that he had to clarify it wasn't Samoa Joe, as if you saw the devil in his costume and thought, you know, that 180-pound frame could be Samoa Joe in some really tight spanks. But good, bad, or indifferent, this is the first AEW pay-per-view all year. I have gotten a number of messages from people asking, are you going to tune in and watch? So there is clearly intrigue. Some of it might be schadenfreude, but there is intrigue about what's going to happen here. And this is why wrestling as storyline is successful. 
Yeah, no, I agree. Look, it, it may not be everybody's cup of tea, but I, I like I pointed out yesterday, it has driven a ridiculous amount of traffic for House of Wrestling for this show. The article I wrote on Wednesday night, I believe it's titled Top AEW Star Turns on MJF and Twist to AEW Storyline has been the number one tight article- headline right there. Thank you. It is it has remained the top trafficked item on the website since it went live. It there I have put out my, many other news items on the site in that time. This thing continues to just coast, and I'm pretty sure it got picked up in some search engine somewhere or whatever, but it is coasting at the top of the house of wrestling stats right now. Well, AEW has benefited from the fact that WWE is essentially dark this week. Raw and SmackDown are both best of shows. So AEW has the entire wrestling landscape to themselves. And when you don't have Chris Jericho tripping over his own two feet, you have a chance to dominate the, the news cycle in hopefully positive ways. Well, we will talk about the best of episode here in just a moment. But before we do, I want to acknowledge that Sean Spears is no longer or will be no longer with AEW here at the top of the year. He confirmed it over on Instagram, saying it was a personal choice and one that is best for him and his family at this time. He's been with the company five years. He was an original hire. Obviously, he had that high profile feud with Cody where he bashed him with a steel chair. Um, Fightful saying split was amicable. Cody Rhodes, his good friend, has shown love to him over on X. Um, And Fightful saying uh, that that Spears has been portraying one of the devil's masked men on TV. So we know now not everybody you've seen on TV as a masked individual is going to be part of this payoff. It was, I think we kind of knew that there was the one point where there were like nine guys in, in devil mask costumes. That was where I thought, all right, this has gone a little goofy. If it was a core group of people and you're trying to figure out, I see folks online, like zooming in and trying to analyze like, that looks like Bobby Fish's mustache under here. That's part of the fun of it. I'm surprised uh, that that Sean left just because he is such a really talented guy. I understand his association with Cody, and maybe he felt there was not a path forward for him in AEW. I hope that he gets picked up somewhere else because he really is a, a phenomenal wrestler, and he got that 10 gimmick over in the WWE at a point in time where trying to get yourself over was highly frowned upon. So whether yeah. he gets picked up by uh, TNA or MLW or maybe NXT as a veteran guy that can work with younger talent, I'm excited to see where Sean Spears works. And I'd love to see this as a way to to bring his wife back into the fold. Love Honestly, the iconics back. as good as Cody, as, as, like, as flawless of the presentation of Cody Rhodes is, and I, I feel bad even saying this out loud because I don't think you want to touch how he's presented – but he always did feel like a bigger deal when he had a couple guys over his shoulder in like the Nightmare Factory outfits, you know? And you got QT there. You got Spears in the wings. I don't know if you bring in the Nightmare family as backup, but I don't hate it either, man. You know? I'm still waiting for Dustin to announce that he has left AEW. Because I think personally, just because I always love him as a surprise Rumble entrant. And I think he's a guy that's worthy of a WWE Hall of Fame induction. Oh, and, yeah. you know, I think, yeah, if, if you get QT and Sean Spears and Dustin to flank Cody going into a, a, a big title match, that's a hell of a, that's a strong visual right there. DDP, Diamond Dallas Page, right? You've gone Over too far. Sh- you've gone, you've gone <laughs> drunk <laughs> with power. Back. Pull it up back. Pull it up. We're back. not hey, getting the DDP. pink Cadillac. I'm just saying, uh, DDP was in his corner of the original All In. He was, he was wearing the, you know, running suit and everything. He could be the devil. He was the stalker of uh, Sarah Undertaker. 
hey, if 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 it's an ROH invasion, maybe it's Carrie Silken or Joe Coff, right? Wouldn't that be Joe Coff coming back for revenge on Tony Khan? Just as long as it's not there. Rob Feinstein, I think we're okay. RF videos. All right. <laughs> WrestleNomics, small victory here. Small or big, depending on how you want to look at it. It's a magic eye, right? WrestleNomics saying that with 843 average overall viewers this week, Dynamite outdrew WWE Raw for the very first time. Of course, WWE Raw presented their best of episode, lowest viewership of all time. It went on Christmas night. But hey, a win's a win, baby. And AEW Dynamite running strong here this week. Can't wait to see Demo God Chris Jericho tweeting about this, the downfall of WWE, the success of AEW. Best of shows in 2023 are kind of a weird novelty because you have Peacock. You can go back and watch any of these uh, pay-per-views. Best of shows years ago were fun because I didn't buy every pay-per-view. So you may get a sliver of a match that happened four months prior, but hey, I get to see it. Now there's no compelling reason to tune into one of these best of shows, but I'm glad the talent gets the week off and still drawing 600 something thousand people. Not bad. I I think if they'd have put out the list of matches they were going to show on free TV, as part of the best of 2023, I think that show would have done better. Cause I was we looking no at clue what it was going to be, dude. I was looking at the list of those matches and I was like, this is truly the best of 2023. Like you got, you got, you got bad bunny priest, the San Juan street fight. You got the men's war games match. I'm pretty sure they put in Cody Brock. I'd have to go back and quote, but I think if they'd have just been like, Hey, they did Charlotte tonight, Rhea. I know they for did sure. Do, I saw that. Did, yeah, but I didn't watch it all. I was just kind of, but I was looking at the list. And I was like, damn, if I didn't known that they were just going to put on like legit, like five star, their five star, like pay-per-view matches for three hours, I might've put it on in the background while we're opening presents. I don't know. Yeah. I put it on for a couple of minutes just to see, because I realized like I, you kind of forget what day of the week it is, especially since we didn't record. And I was like, oh yeah, Raw's on. I put it on. I caught the end of the Charlotte Rhea thing. And what I liked was it was, a studio show where they were interviewing the people that were part of it. So there was at least some degree of, of new content that was existing within this, uh, this show. So I saw there was a, a Jay Uso interview. It was a Rhea Ripley interview. So if you tuned in, at least it wasn't just, you know, Scott Stanford or somebody, and then bumper to bumper to bumper old matches. Yeah. Um, well, over in WWE world, uh, some big news here this week. From the Observer, WWE expressing interest in Julia, who is one of the top stars in stardom. She's also the New Japan Strong Women's Champion. Uh, WWE has interest in her, and they have interest in working with stardom. Now, Julia's contract expires in March with stardom. She may not come in right away, but as of now, they're leaning towards her coming in. I've learned much more about her in the last couple weeks as she's become a big talking point. Seems like a notable free agent. And again, like Hunter is... Hunter is making a move in Japan. I don't know how far that move goes. Is all the talk there's a lot of talk about NXT Europe. Obviously they're going to move forward with that, but man, is NXT Japan like too far off? I mean, they're making some big investments over there. I mean, it was it was a strategy years ago where they were going to have a a branch in Japan, a branch in Mexico, a branch in Europe. I'm curious if part of this is Hunter feels like he missed out on Mariah May, who is in stardom, mm. who certainly looks like a major star in 2024. She looks like a can't miss prospect. And I and when I saw her, I'm like, she would have been front and center on an NXT. 
also Kyrie Sane was part of stardom. And now this kind of adds a little fuel to the fire of what we saw with Sasha Banks posting that she was out in front of Boston. She had a relationship with stardom. So maybe there's a lot of rumor and innuendo well, about their I, involvement. I, you know, and a part of me thinks that, you know, you're looking over across the, the aisle at what AEW is offering talents that they can't get in WWE. And one of those things is AEW allows these talents to go take a New Japan booking, take a AAA booking, right? Go work these places. Maybe you have friends there. Maybe you've just always wanted to do it. Offering that as an amenity now and taking that as a way kind of from just, oh, only Tony Khan can offer you that. It's obviously another play to kind of help secure some of these bigger talents that they are trying to lock down at the moment. It's possible. I don't love the idea of loaning talents out to other companies because I don't want to increase the possibility of somebody getting injured unless they're on my stage. If I'm making money mm. off it, somebody gets injured. Hey, these things happen. That's a shame. But you don't want one of your talents wrestling on another show for another promotion and they get hurt. Well, why not bring another talent into your promotion then? Uh, maybe Goldberg, for instance, who this week called Vince McMahon a piece of shit and talked about how he didn't get his proper retirement uh, match at WWE. Well, one WWE superstar stepped up to the plate and they tweeted out, I'll have that retirement match with you, Goldberg. And that man is Ivar of the Viking Raiders, who on the surface doesn't seem like the best pick, but then I kind of like skew it in my head and I'm like, I don't know. Maybe he's, he's picking up a lot of fans these days. And obviously I don't would do happily do the honors. I'm sure to bill. What, what do you think about Ivar call it, shooting a shot here? I'm a big Ivar fan. I like, uh, I like what he was doing with Viking Raiders. I like that he has stepped up as a singles competitor right now with Eric on the shelf. I think he had neck fusion surgery. Uh, I believe he has come on as someone who could absolutely, if they put some steam behind him, be a top heel contender. I thought there's a possibility in 2024 for Ivar to be a monster for Seth Rollins to slay if they play yes. their cards properly. I can see why he would want to wrestle Goldberg. Personally, just perversely, I would love to see Goldberg try to get him up for a jackhammer. I don't know how well that would go. Uh, and it's it's really got to be tough if you're a fan of Goldberg and you want to see him get that proper retirement match, knowing his relationship with Vince and then knowing his relationship with Hunter, I don't think we're going to get it on a WWE platform unless the, the dollars align. And WWE is so overly stacked right now with talent they kind of don't need Bill. Man, I wonder if he should. I mean, I do wonder if he shows up in like an impact or an NWA, you know, just no. just to just to be the biggest possible fish in a pond to get whatever he wants, you know, for a one shot deal. Just throwing it out there because I'm with you. I don't see him in WWE. He's made overtures to AEW. He said that out loud. Maybe Tony wants to go all in with him. But like, again, Tony's not profitable. He's trying to show people he's getting behind his own talent right now. It would be an interesting proposition, I think, to bring Bill in for a high-profile kind of retirement feud right now, but I could be wrong. Um, PW Insider reporting Zelina Vega has signed a new multi-year deal with the company. No other details were given, but good for her. She's good. a wonderful talent. Great. Yep. And she was one that was, that was questionable if she was going to stick around before because of the whole being able to stream your video game uh, services. Yeah, she was the one that kick-started the third-party platform 
discussions with WWE and helped to get uh, secured those for talent so they could keep making money there. So, yes, very happy that she's found peace to WWE. She's sticking around. Somebody who's going to be walking into 2024 uh, a little bit lighter in their step is going to be Sonya Deville, who the Courier Post is saying uh, is no longer uh, no longer has a charge. The charge was dropped for unlawful possession of a weapon that was found in her car uh, that was, I guess, in her vehicle in Atlantic City. Um, basically, long story short, she did a six month program and they've dropped the charge, but she had it licensed in another state. It wasn't licensed in New Jersey. She had to go through some some stuff and, and now it's dropped. So just good news for for Sonia as we enter the new year. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think she she deserves a peaceful year in 2024. Yes. And lastly here, as we were talking, I'm surprised I didn't throw this in when we were talking about Japan earlier. Uh, the rest of the observer saying Takami Obari, the former New Japan president, he stepped down because there were issues with staff members about his usage of power over them. Another reason was that he had heat with a number of people, including the company's top star, Kazuchika Okada. Okada was said to have wanted him out. Others said that Obari never really understood the wrestling business, didn't respect the value of Okada. And one person said that Obari saw Okada as the lead role in the actor of a touring show, which is kind of accurate, but not not necessarily showing grace and respect maybe to the true position of, of Okada within New Japan Pro Wrestling. Thoughts? I mean, the timing of this change now is is definitely curious with the idea that Okada may be coming out on the market. So maybe this was New Japan making moves to keep Okada and say, all right, you don't like this guy? He's gone. Let's put Tanahashi in power. See if maybe this keeps you around. Yeah, 100%. I think this is a good sign that Okada is going to stick around New Japan Pro Wrestling, maybe make more AEW appearances going forward. But hey... Anything's possible, and it would really be something to see him pop up in WWE next year. All right, well, that brings us to the end of our oversized edition. This is the longest that Robert and I have ever recorded. Did not plan to go this far. Also did not plan for uh, so many technical issues with our good friend Stephen Pinu. We'll get it right next time, everybody. Um, I want to thank everybody so much. It has been a wonderful 2024. We are literally just getting going with Rumor and Innuendo. We've seen big gains across the board. We're so thrilled with everything that you guys have done to support the show. Of course, uh, as I always say, if you want to really show us some love, head over to your preferred podcast platform. Leave us a message. Uh, oh, it's it's Friday here. I'll read an Apple iTunes review here just to kind of uh, wrap up the week here um, on a good note. Um, here we go. I can pull this up very, very quickly. We have uh, on Podcast Heat. All right, here we go. We'll go down. Nope, I want to open it right here. Um, we have from... Uh, we have from Bingy 80 exactly what it says on the tin. All sorts of stories about the pro wrestling business. Loved Carpellis already from Russell Rose. Don't agree with everything hosts say, but it's an easy, good, funny listen. Great review. We really appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. Um, and I think this is like an old, there's like an old rumored innuendo Apple page. I'm not really sure what's going on here. Anyway. Appreciate it, guys. More messages. More wonderful messages. I'm Nick Hausman, HouseWrestling.com. Please show us the support. And I'm uh, I'm, I'm Robert Karpolis. I want to make sure that it was clear here. Uh, excited. Look, we wrapped up. I think the be- 2023 was the best year in the history of rumor and innuendo. 2024 is going to be even better. So until 2024, best of luck in your future endeavors.